0: I'm going to continue now with the series on the Passover that we did last year. Last year we ended off with the series of the Passover. And we had a little break because we started fasting and the series of teaching on, on fasting. And now recently healing of the wounded soul. And we in essence essentially wrapped that up last week. Although the topic as a topic is not yet fully explored. I felt in this week that uh, we need to pick up and complete the issue of the Passover. And you'll see why as I teach. Um, I would encourage you, try perhaps in this week, to listen to, I think there's four or five sessions on the Passover, on, on the website, on my website. I can't obviously rehearse some of the issues that we've already covered. I want to focus on one or two issues. I will say one or two remarks just to remind you of the emphasis in the series. The first Passover was celebrated by Israel on the night that they left Egypt. They celebrated a meal called the Passover meal. That Passover, at that Passover, they essentially ate the lamb. Ate the lamb per household. And they took its blood, sprinkled it on the doorposts, The lintel and the door frame, the sides of the door. That night, the angel of death passed throughout all Egypt, killing the firstborn of men and animals. The angel would pass over, that's where we get the term, would skip, would jump, would pass over any house that had the blood. And in that house, there was no death. There was immunity there was protection because the family, everyone say the family. The family in that house obeyed the principles given by God through his servant Moses. They came to a place of obedience. Everyone say obedience. Obedience in this season is going to be highly critical. And obedience must now start to characterize the family. If we are the family of God, We are those who are obedient to the voice of God, especially the voice that comes through directives of the servant of God given to direct the families of God. In their context, it was Moses who gave the instruction. This instruction was not up for negotiation. In fact, had he given that instruction that particular day, and the instruction was given to heads of households, there to instruct their families. Tonight, this is the last night that we're gonna stay in this environment. We've been here for four hundred and thirty years. There's been long standing historical bondage. Right? We've been slaves for more than four centuries. And what they were essentially saying at the Passover meal this is the last of that economy. Tonight we leave that domain tonight we are set free that's why the book is called the exodus the book of exodus is the coming out from a realm not ordained by god to characterize the welfare of his people and i've been sensing you know when we the reason why by the way we started this series was because of a directive that sean blicknot gave us do you recall the last time he preached here and this was last year uh, sometime and he said towards the beginning of the year, he said, and the next phase of your journey and your movement, be careful to observe all the principles associated with Passover. So what we're going to do and what we have done and will continue to do, I think over the next three or four weeks we'll explore this. We want to look at if God was wanting to break long-standing bondage of the nation, and bring them out of Egyptian captivity, and lead them into their promised land, and fulfill essentially the prophecy given to Abraham many, many years before, and in that process, the process of their journeying or migration toward that prophetic fulfillment, they are protected and they have immunity. We then need to look at that case study, and if we are a people of migration and movement, and journeying towards a more accurate spiritual location in God, everything in the Scripture, Corinthians says, was written for our learning, so that we, through the comfort and consolation of the Scriptures, might have hope. So everything, Paul would say to, to the Corinthians, that happened to Israel, happened for our instruction. Think about it, church. Every single thing that happened in the Old Testament was parabolic for the new testament church it's actual stories that took place in history but they are parabolic in the sense that they have embedded within the accounts the genius of god His hidden principles that you need to unlock if you see it you can apply the same principle to your contemporary world and so receive the same result. amen and so receive the same result and so we're leaving a land that incarcerated us for years. We're leading a state of bondage, and in the first two sessions of the series, which I encourage you to consult again, I discussed with you what Egypt represents. Right? I won't go through all of the points. There are quite a few, but by and large, it's any sense of limitation, it's any sense of restriction, it's any sense of bondage, it's any sense of encasement, of stifling, the lack of movement. The, the lack of options. You don't have any choice. You have a taskmaster that rules you. In fact, your identity is even um, marginalized in a sense. You're, you, all you know yourself to be is a slave. Right? Your father was a slave. Your grandfather was a slave. Your great-grandfather was a slave. Your great-great-great-grandfather was a slave. All that your family knows is we serve the agenda of another realm. Although we might instinctively know that we are the people of God, yet our identity and, our, and the work that we do, our function, is completely misplaced. Right? And so we're toiling making bricks to build pyramids, to build an empire, to foster the agenda of a nation that is actually in opposition to the purposes of God. So here is mistaken uh, or unknown identity. Who and what we are in God. So then, as discussed with you, God would use terms like this to Pharaoh. Let Israel go. Israel my son. Israel my firstborn son. The issue of the Exodus was the uncovering of an identity. Because in, in terms of the words used, God said, you got my son captivated. He's not just a son. This Israel is my firstborn son. And we discuss issues of firstborn in a series at length. So the issue was one of a recovery of an identity. And God says that he might go, let him go, that he might serve me. There's is the issue of functionality. So they get up every day using energy to build bricks, being driven by hard task masters, Egyptian hard task masters, right? Exploiting, employing energy, For the wrong purpose. Now listen carefully. Prophetically to what what, what we are saying. I believe in this season. God is about recovering our identity. I believe in this season. God is about aligning us accurately. To employing all of our energies. To the thing that God wants us to do. Right? The saddest thing in life. Is to live all of your life. And come to the end of your life. And discover. I have been focusing on the wrong thing. Hmm? whose desire it is here yeah, to do god 's will, come on, let me see your hands right Now we say that individually, but we also want to say that corporately right I think the what vanno shared this morning is that the church is about to enter into a new phase right. I shared that with two of the leaders just before the service started. I said, I think we're about to journey into something fresh, right something new, and I think the the Reversion back to a focus on Passover now is more critical than ever before, right? You must remember, they ate the entire lamb. I'll talk about that next week. (laughs) What is in you protects you. What is in you protects you. They ate the lamb. And we'll discuss next week. They internalized all the principles that the lamb represented. So you better be lamb-like. You better be like the Lamb of God. You stand with the Lamb on Mount Zion. There's a company that's equated to the character of the Lamb. We'll discuss that next week. I shared with you that there were at least four processes at work that made the timing of the Exodus critical. Why that time? Why that day? Right? And do you know what? Please, I really want you to baptize your mind in Exodus chapter 12 for the next three weeks. In fact, even if you want to, read nothing else but Exodus 12. It's a long chapter, but just baptize your mind. Read the verse, read it again, read it the next day, look at the scripture, meditate on it, ask yourself, because I really believe God will reveal to you some of the principles we need to observe. In that chapter, there is serious instruction given by Moses, highly detailed, of how Israel must position themselves just before they they exodus, just before they, they leave. One of the things that God mentions there was, when you leave, this is early in the chapter, when you do leave, God said to them, this month, the month of Abib, this month will be the beginning of months for you. I recalendar you, God is saying. If this was our contemporary society, and let's say according to the Egyptian calendar, it was July. Let's say this is all happening July sometime. By Babylonian Egyptian calendar systems. When God was saying that to them, God is saying, this will be the beginning of your year. Right? This is like 1st of January for you in July. God is saying, this month for you Israel, "I, I now... I now, listen carefully, I speak prophetically to us this morning, I now thrust you into a new calendar. I thrust you into a new frame of reference in in accord to the timing or the issue of the timing. No longer take and govern your life by the clock of Babylon, by the dictates of your earthly calendar. There is a heavenly calendar that you must know Whose timing and whose imperatives must become yours in Kronos. Kairos is your new spatial sphere of existence. Okay? Tag your have a happy new year. It's important. I'll talk more fully about this next week. Listen carefully. It's important. You know why? The church globally loses December and January. Those are two lost months in spiritual things. Many people grow cold and indifferent. Uh, You know what the Bible says? In the last days, the hearts of men will wax cold. There's a waxing cold that concerns me in the body of Christ. There's a lethargy that concerns me, a complacency. It's like, hey, Sarah, Sarah, whatever must be, must be. A can't blanch, um, lackadaisical attitude towards the things of God. Let me just say this to you. If Babylon is your clock, you might find yourself, ta- uh, you know, leisure and leisure in Babylon in December takes over the world. And people are, yes, we all deserve holidays, which we take as well. But even in our holiday, you can never, ever be on a holiday in the spirit. You can, the moment your vigilance drops, the enemy will look for the smallest gap to take advantage amen so even in december yes rest and and enjoy the season but heighten your spiritual senses who knows god wants to do the most strategic thing in those months and yet commitment, uh, and bible reading things like fasting prayer are far removed from the people of god you know what was god trying to tell israel israel you've been 430 years functioning by an egyptian calendar system But now I yank you out of that mindset. Today is the beginning of months for you. Right? So it demands of us that we function by the demand of heaven. You know, John 4, what did Jesus say? My meat is to do the the will of him that sent me and to what? Come on, you know the scriptures and to? And to finish. You mustn't just do the will, you must seek to conclude. And to finish his work. Next statement. Do not say. He said to the disciples. There are yet still four months to the harvest. Don't live in the realm of postponement. Jesus is saying. He said don't say there are four months to to the harvest. What month were they in when Jesus said that? Right? They were in the third month. Remember the calendar of Egypt. Or rather Israel. At that time. In terms of their three feasts was first month was the feast of passover third month the feast of pentecost and seventh month was the feast of tabernacles everyone say 137 come on say it again 137 passover pentecost tabernacles come on say it passover pentecost tabernacles right now in the third they this is what's was at the feast, the time of the feast of Pentecost, when Jesus, in John chapter 4, is talking to his disciples. And he's saying to them, My meat, meat that nourishes me, the thing that drives me internally, that sustains me and nourishes me as a spirit being. You must remember the disciples had just gone into the town to buy meat. So they came back with physical meat. And Jesus said, You have musical meat in your hand but he said I have a meat that you don't know of my meat he says is to do the will of him that sent me and to what come on tell you never finish so do the will of him that sent me and to finish next statement we in the third month remember he says to his disciples guys do not say there are yet still four months for the harvest for lift up your eyes look the harvest is white unto harvest what he was saying to them we might be in month three but prophetically jesus is saying i'm already in tabernacles while you guys are still celebrating pentecost in my mind in my urgency in my devotion to the will of god i am months ahead of you what were the disciples living by they were living by natural time dimensions the calendar of the day but you see, there's an expectation of heaven that sometimes is out of sync with the natural order of things in the earth. So Jesus comes to a fig tree. He says, figs are one figs. But the Bible says, it wasn't the time or the season for figs. Sometimes the expectation of the seasons of heaven demands fruit from the earth, even when that fruit in earth's reality is out of timing. You know, you are not of this world. I can't get this into your head strong enough. Tell your neighbor you are not of this world. Not of this world. So, they think you foolish. They think you a bit when in December you're devoting most of your time to Bible reading. When in your holiday, you have more time than you ordinarily have when you work. You're making sure, now I have more time for the things of God. And the world looks at you and says, you, you, your response should be, I'm functioning by a different requirement. I'm functioning by a, a different order of things. Amen? So, listen carefully. The, one of the first things God said to Israel, Israel, do not function by the reality of egypt take yourself of being calendars uh, of the egyptian calendar and function by my calendar i'm about to start you off in a brand new season that's going to have brand new expectations that's going to have brand new responsibilities that's going to require of you a new level of faithfulness and i speak prophetically to the house come on everyone listen i speak prophetically to the house It's going to demand of you greater zeal, greater diligence, greater connectivity, um, greater plugging in. What persisted before is obsolete in the spirit in terms of the requirements of of the Lord. It's a brand new season. And to whom much is given, much is required. Amen? These are critical days. If your lethargy is a result of your bending to the pressures of this life, then you have bent and have grown spiritually cold because you're bowing to an expectation that is not of God. Right? There's a new demand that heaven presses upon this local church. I accede to the demand as I stand before you right now. My hands are up and say, yes, God, whatever it takes, I will do because my meat is to do your will. And to finish the work that you have called. It's already September soon of 2015. Time has gone. This year has rapidly slipped through our hands. right? And we will look back. What has been the characteristic feature of your disposition in the spirit for the past year? What has it been? What has it been? Have you been robustly? Have you been seriously, doggedly? Dig your heels in and say, God, at all costs, I do your will. I do not bow to the pressures of the Babylonian system. We have to have a people like that. Right? You know, Noah stood singularly against his whole generation. The whole world, the Bible says, every inclination of men's hearts was evil consistently. But Noah. But Noah found... Grace in the eyes of the Lord. Can I impress upon you this morning, even if the whole world goes the other way, stand singularly for God. Stand against the tide. Stand against what is normal. Stand against what is expected. The world expects you to be on a slow coast mode, the world expects you to, to relax standards. Say, No, I'm different. I'm God's firstborn son in Christ Jesus. It's not normal for me to be sad. It's not normal for me to be cold. It's not normal for me to be unfaithful. It's not normal for me to be disobedient. It's not normal for me to be dishonoring. Right? I have norms that I subscribe to from the word of God. Tell your neighbor, get back to biblical norms. Get back to biblical norms. Stand erect, stand singularly for God. I want to encourage you, you never know for what God is preparing you. You never, ever know. I want to encourage you, maintain the Ezra position. And Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law, to do it and to teach it in all in all Israel. Prepare your heart. When I spoke to the business forum there in, uh, on Friday evening, I had a, I prepared, I had I'd written out, I typed out some notes and they called me, they gave me an hour to speak. They called me to the podium. So they had a podium like this. It was only businessmen. It was a non-religious meeting. Businessmen and politicians. I was even warned not to use any churchy terms. They said to me, try and use non-religious terminology. So I prime my mind, you know. No amens. No hallelujahs. Nothing theological. Just. And what they do is they Call businessmen together, and their, their aim is to infect the business community in Maputo with kingdom principles, right, a brilliant concept they have, and then I just stepped away from the pulpit, and I never went back there, I started to speak, and by prophecy, and the Lord took over, and by one o'clock, I knew, not by, by an hour, sorry, at passed, and um, so I said to the, the guy, the timekeeper, I said, just tell me when I need to sit down, and then literally everyone said, no, no, carry on, carry on. And we, we spoke for another, another 40 minutes. And I realized, you know, most of these businessmen did not attend church. Right? And, but I realized there was a thirst and a, a hunger for the things of, for the things of God. My, my thing was, how do I speak to this caliber of persons, not using terms of reference that I'm so accustomed to use. But God gives grace for every occasion i want to encourage you you can do all things through christ jesus that 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 strengthens you and the lord reminded me this um, in the afternoon before they came to pick me up god gave me a word he says do not think about what you shall say for in that self-same hour i will remind you of all things i have said to you all right? and again too yeah i want to encourage you again too in a moment God brought the relevant things that I needed to say. And he needed me away from my prepared notes. Because now I had to rely. And I did that deliberately. He said, God, lead and, and guide. But had I not, listen carefully, you can only rely on the leading of the Spirit in that manner had you done the necessary preparation. And this is not preparation for an event. This is lifestyle preparation. This is daily, the daily rigor, the daily commitment, the daily discipline of praying, of fasting, of consulting the word. And then in the hour that you need to speak and represent God, he empowers you to do it effectively. Amen? So I want to encourage you, church. You are a new expectation for a new season. Amen? Now, I haven't started preaching yet. <laughs> you see how this thing grabs my spirit now, wherever I go. Listen carefully. Let me get to what I really want to leave you with. There were at least four processes at stake that determined the timing of the Exodus. The four were a prophecy. Because already in Genesis 15, God told Abraham, the people that will be born of you, the nation that will come forth from your loins. And remember at that stage, you didn't even have one son Isaac wasn't born yet in Genesis 15 and yet God is already telling Abraham the nation that will be born of you will be incarcerated by another nation and they will be in slavery for 400 years God told Abraham that already before he even had Isaac but God said this but after 400 years I will bring them out with my mighty hand right so everyone say prophecy The prophecy revealed an intent of God. If somebody was living in Egypt, and I think they would have been fully acquainted with the prophecy. They would have been. Through oral tradition passed on from one generation to the next, that prophetic utterance would have been preserved in the nation, even though they were in in bondage. If I were somebody living in that period, and I was aware of the dates and times at stake, I would have realized our season for departure is about to happen. Not so. There would have been an expectation in my heart based on what God told Abraham. It's now time to depart. Brethren, I want to submit to us today. It's time to depart. It's time to leave whatever Egypt represents to you. It's time to leave that domain. That bondage, that limitation, that lack of fathering. Remember I told you Egypt represents a lack of fathering. Because Pharaoh was fathered by Joseph. Remember the first Pharaoh that dealt graciously with Israel? Gave them the best land, Goshen. The Bible says, and Joseph fathered Pharaoh. But when that Pharaoh died, a new father came. uh, A new Pharaoh came that did not know Joseph. When it says did not know Joseph, it means that new Pharaoh was unacquainted with the principle that Joseph represented in the nation. Which was a fathering grace. So whenever a land, whenever a person leaves fathering, that land, context or person changes character. The land that provided for them now becomes a land that opposes them. Please hear me. Whenever someone disconnects from fathering, you will see an obvious, even visible character change in the person. Hmm? Egypt as a land changed purpose from preserving the nation now incarcerates the, person, the, 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 the nation. So there was an intention by prophecy to release the nation. Secondly, there was um, the preparation of Moses. The leader that would basically facilitate the exodus was sufficiently prepared for them at that stage. Remember I told you this? Moses was 40 years in Egypt, in Egypt's court. So he knew the system that he was about to challenge. He grew up in it, trained in the best schools, right? He was actually trained as a prince to possibly become the next pharaoh, right? Um, Should things have gone wrong with Ramesses. The next 40 years, he spends in the wilderness... Under Jethro, his father-in-law, tending sheep. God uses environments to prepare his man. In the wilderness under Jethro, he teaches Abram the skills of shepherding, of leading a people. And he makes him familiar with the environment that would characterize his leadership for the next 40 years. You see, he couldn't just come from courts. Egyptian course, palatial, everything found to leading people in a dry, arid wilderness. God had to literally take him to the wilderness for 40 years to know that economy, to know that domain. Do you know nothing in God is wasted? I need to say this to someone here. Nothing in God is wasted. Some of you might feel I've wasted time with that job. I've wasted time with that activity. Nothing in God is wasted. God will use everything... That you've experienced to build into his purposes for your life. Nothing is wasted. Amen? Nothing at all. I'm so glad I taught. My first passion was drafting. I thought I was going to become an architect. I should love, I should draw left, right, and center at school, plans, I should copy plans, etc. But because of limited funds at the time when we matriculated, I found that uh, teaching was the best option at that stage for us because of bursaries that were available. And in my heart, I always harbor this, hey Lord, the architect in me wants to come out and draw plans. But you know what? God, all things work together for the good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. Do you know God took all the training that I enjoyed in learning to become a teacher, and in having taught then for 17 years. And he used all of those skills for his benefit, for his purpose in me, for the ministry. Amen? Otherwise, you will not be getting notes like this. (laughs) I recall my first teaching paycheck I got, January, I'll never forget. I went to Macro down the road there. I went to Macro. And I bought, myself my, I bought myself a portable typewriter. There was no PCs and computers those days. We had to tick, 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 tick. And I thought it was the best thing ever. Wow, a typewriter, I can type notes, you know. And uh, I recall typing Bibles, besides my teaching things, typing Bible studies out, etc., etc. I want to say nothing is wasted in God. Nothing is wasted. I need to encourage somebody, here. nothing is wasted. Even the years that you think are wasted, the Bible says God is able to redeem the time. He's able to restore the years that the locust and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, etc. have have eaten. So let's get back. There was a prophecy given. There was the preparation of Moses the the man of God, an 80-year preparation process, 14 Egypt, 14 the wilderness the Jethro, He comes after 80 years of being prepared, and God ordains him to come and rescue and deliver the the people of of Israel. Amen. I want to say something now. God's process is with me, because in this context, I will represent your Moses. So tell you that we better meet your Moses. (laughs) You know the, the phrase, he met his Moses. It was used in another context. But, um, it's. Um, I think when I view my own preparation, um, I thank God for His grace and His mercy in my life. I think I'm more sufficiently mature now than I even was two years ago. I'm not. I haven't arrived yet. I think any leader is still is an is in an ongoing process of being sharpened as he goes through time. Amen. But I think that. We are more now ready to engage certain things as a congregation, as we lead together. Amen? So tell your neighbor, stay with Moses. <laughs> Amen? Thirdly, so there was the prophetic utterance. There was the, prepar- the preparation of the leader that was sufficiently done by that stage. 80 years. You know? Remember they came out at the 430th year. right? 430 years that would mean what's 430 minus 80 350 it, it it would mean but by the 350th year of egyptian slavery moses would have had to been born tell your neighbor god is clever god is a master orchestrator of things he he prepares seemingly disparate processes and then he brings it all together in a masterful act of performing his will in our day amen i submit to you today brethren right now i speak prophetically there are some things that are being prepared for us yet not known to us that god's about to bring in view you can apply this for your life personally for some of you it will be that husband you want he's being prepared don't worry right Maybe it's taking so long because got, God's got so much to work on. I don't know. Right? Or that wife, or that job, or that, that expression of God's leading, whichever. There are certain things. If you remain faithful, if you remain diligent, as in, in the Greek, it's called, the, the Greek word is suntoleo. It means to pull various things and climax the moment. Bring everything to a head. Suntoleo. I believe you're headed towards your soon to moment in God. Amen? Um, please, I'm going to say this prophetically to us also. Don't worry about the gap right now. Don't worry about the deficiency that you perceive right now. Don't worry about that because God's preparation will fill it soon. God's preparation is about to fill the gap soon. The third item was the... Maturation of sin in heathen nations, specifically the Amorite nations. God said to Israel, and I'll just give you the, the text, although I won't quote it. I'll give you the text First Kings 21 and 26, Leviticus 18, from verses 24 to 28. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter. 15 genesis 15 is the main reference god says this to Abraham. after 400 years i will bring them out why god gives the reason god says because the sins of the amorites would have been complete the word complete there is they would have fully come to the maximum maturity right now think about this brethren think about this God led Israel out. Part of his reason, he wants to judge heathen nations that don't follow his and observe his commands. And God says, I will keep you imprisoned until their sin has reached maximum. And when the sin is heightened, I bring you out to judge them. When you think about how sin is maturing in the world today, There's stuff we're reading on the internet, on the news, that would make our grandparents cringe. But it's becoming so commonplace today, we are actually becoming desensitized to these things. It's becoming so normal to have a four-year-old raped now recently. Right here in, I was 11-year-old, in Verilum. No, on the weekend. It's becoming commonplace. For same-sex marriages to be legalized, to see um, people of the same-sex walk through, and it's normal, it's not actually, we're not taken aback by it anymore. For murder to take place indiscriminately, Eric Warren put a, a notice on Facebook, if you saw it, yesterday, about the number of deaths in Detroit, the murders, all the faces of the pictures in one month, in one city, And he's saying in his post, something is drastically wrong. You know what's happening? Sin is being complete. Let me encourage you. Well, not encourage you. Let me make you aware. Things are not going to get better. Things are actually going to get worse and worse and worse. But you must not fear. Tell your neighbor, do not fear. Do not fear. These things must take place. Right? Right? The sin of Sodom reached such heights that the grace of God left and God brought judgment on the city. But you know what God even said as a measure of His grace? If I find ten there, I will spare the city. Ten righteous people. I will spare everybody. God always seeks for a a first fruit company, a remnant. This book talks about that. There's always a remnant, a representative company in every city that can configure the will of God for the city. Tell your neighbor, you are that company. You are that company. I love what Sam said when we opened the ALS here in Washington. He took the first session and he said this, we're not here to rail against public policy. Because in the Americas, they just passed the, the bill legalizing same-sex marriages. So he stood up and he said, we are not here as a conference to oppose or to rail against public, American public policy. We are simply here to stand before our God and represent ourselves to Him on behalf of the nation. Right? These things must mature. But I encourage you, brethren, do not lose hearts. When the next time you put CNN on, who's been watching the commodity news and the economic indicators recently? It's crazy what's happening. What's the dollar now? 14? It's about 14 rand to one dollar. When we went to Washington recently, it was just 12, some days under 12, to some days it's over 12. Now it's 14 rand. It, it's crazy. The rand is being devalued. There's stuff happening in, in China that's affecting global markets on a significant scale. But Jesus said, when you hear and see these things, do not lose heart. When nation rises up against nation, do not lose heart. For the time of your redemption has come. Let me just say this. The judgment on Egypt was dramatic. God says, I kill your firstborn. It was a day of crisis for everybody in the nation. But in the day of crisis, the Christ in God's people was about to be revealed. Never ever in the day of crisis function as a man with natural sight and respond to things. Based on fear. The enemy would like to instill fear within you. But you are from another realm. Just make sure that you are in the kingdom. Because Hebrews 12 says this. Behold once more I shake the heavens and I shake the earth. Tell your neighbor there's a whole lot of shaking going on. God he says I shake not just earth and earth systems. God is behind the shakening. By the way you can't even pray against what's happening. Don't organize a prayer meeting and pray against this. You will be counterproductive to the will of God. Because God is busy causing the nations. He's getting everybody's attention, and the only way he can do it is through eco- economics. I I guarantee you, you study Israel's history, God consistently gets the nation when he shuts the heavens. When he shuts the economy down, the people turn to him with all of their with all of their hearts. So please just remind the person next to you, I need to emphasize this, do not fear. Do not fear. You see some calamitous event on TV tonight, or in the week, or in the months, your heart must not drop. Your heart must not fear. You must be excited, in a sense, while you might be pained, because you are human and you might be pained at the atrocities, calamities, and the departure from God's standards that are happening. But in your heart, you will say, this is our finest hour. This is a day of crisis for the world. But it's a day of exodus for us into the fullness of our firstborn identity in Christ. Amen? Into the fullness. You know when the, when the, when the, when the, when the flood fell in Noah's day? Water spelled judgment for the earth, but water spelled salvation for Noah. The thing that drowned everybody raised the ark. The ark became buoyant on the medium of judgment that killed everybody else. Same experience, different results for different, exp- for different people. We will go through the crisis, be assured you will not escape. You will walk through the crisis, but God will preserve you. You will be safe. Arise, shine for your light as come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But on you my light will will shine. Your light will rise out from its obscurity, declares the Lord. I'm just here to encourage you. Before we go on, listen carefully, guys. Do not fear in the next coming months. You're going to see havoc on economic markets in the next coming months. I'm not saying it, not only are prophets saying it, do you know that unsaved economists are saying it? The people that are in this thing, the way things are going, we are, everyone is is so anxious about about the future. But we know who holds our tomorrow. So Hebrews 12 says, he'll shake the heaven and he'll shake the earth. Then it says this, seeing that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace. thing you need to keep you is grace. It says, let us have grace that we might serve God with reverence and godly fear in these times. Grace is g- going to be the commodity that saves you. Okay, lastly, I'm trying to lose this in five minutes. This is the real message. This is where I really want to get. So we have the prophetic utterance, revealing the intention of God to reveal them. There was the preparation of Moses, the leader. 40 years plus 40, 80 years. Thirdly, there was the maturation of sin in the unrighteous, heathen nations. Sin was getting so high in the nations. You see, this is the thing. God can't just judge iniquity. He needs a standard by which to judge. So he needs a people that model such purity, righteousness, and uprightness, and that will be the standard by which he judges the nations. So we become the benchmark or the standard of appeal that God usually will resort to, to make his judgments valid to a people that do not know him. He will say, look at my people. That's why I encourage you, keep yourself pure at all costs. Maintain your personal purity, pristine personal purity at all costs. Be pure in your marriage. Be pure in your finances. Be pure in your sexuality. Be pure in your dealings at work. Be pure at every single level. That's what Moses, Noah was like. Mo, Noah was a righteous man, it says, in his generation. Whole world was going bad. Noah said, no, I stand. Right? Huh? I stand. And he found grace. won't say grace. That's our next topic after this. He found grace. And Hebrews 12 says, if you're not going to be shaken like the whole world will be shaken, you need to be in the world located in something called the kingdom. Let us be part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Sean said something recently. In the week, he said, the way the world markets are going, the safest investment that one could ever make today is in the kingdom. What was his name? The the writer that died, uh, I forget his name. He wrote foundation principles. In any case, he said, he's just recently deceased. He said in the 1929 depression, economic depression, he witnessed how that while there was gross unemployment and profit margins dropped significantly in every industry and people were being laid off, people lost assets, houses, cars. He said he noted that faithful givers in God's kingdom were well taken care of. In a time of global downturn. Amen. I want to encourage you. Be faithful with your tithes. Your offerings. Your first fruits. As you invest. As you give. You will receive immunity. But here's the last thing I want to leave with you. What's the fourth factor? What's the fourth fourth thing which I believe. Is the lacking element today. It's a cry. It's a groan. The fourth thing God says. Let me read you the scripture. Exodus chapter 6, from verses 5 to 6. Please, as we leave this morning, we'll close in five minutes. As we leave this morning, I want to encourage you. This last factor, I believe, is the missing dynamic that is stopping the release from many out of their own Egypt. God says, through Moses to Israel, Furthermore, I have heard what? I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage and I have remembered my I have remembered my covenant verse 6 say therefore to the sons of Israel I am the Lord I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians I will deliver you from their bondage I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments now go back to verse 5 what was the precursor to this i have heard what i want to submit to you there are not too many people groaning the groan hasn't intensified strongly enough in other words simply stated people do not want their freedom hard enough there's no cry for it there's no appeal to God in the heavens. You know, this was like the last missing ingredient. God is saying, yes, okay, Moses, you're ready. you prepared. God is saying, yes, uh, in Genesis 15, I already told Abraham that after 400 years, I will take them out. God is saying, yes, the sin in the nations are reaching climatic point. I need a people by which I can judge them by. God is saying, but there's something that I also need to respond to that's going to activate a release. It's called the groan of the sons repeat after me the groan of a son i want to ask you this seriously brethren. if i can just ask you this question and you can honestly answer it in your heart how badly do you want total liberty how badly do you want breakthrough again like Vanola said don't respond to the question out of a victim mindset and you say, I need to out get out of the situation. And I'm going to live from one, one one trial to the next and to the next. And I will consistently be in survival mode. No, I'm not asking with that frame. I'm asking you, how, and I say this to you authoritatively by the Spirit of the Lord. God authorized me, I believe, last night to say this. That some of you are going to come out of this never to return that former position again this is not going to be momentary it's going to be a lifestyle change it's going to be life transforming breakthrough life altering deliverance life as you know it is about to change you're going to now start to function on a different frequency who's sick and tired of historical bondage for some of you it's been 430 years right? I'm saying, God, no, this can't be the character of my life. This can't be the thing by which I am known for. I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy of the provision of my God in the minds of my kids. And you know, every time God breaks through for us at some level, Renee is very good at this. I sometimes rain, but she ensures that this is done with him. She always gathers them and she gives the account. See how God broke through. What are we doing to our kids? It's like Abraham about to kill Isaac. Remember, and the angel said to him, don't kill the boy. There's a ram caught. And what did Abraham say? He gave God a name. What did he say? Jehovah, Jireh, which means the Lord is, provision. That revelation was given to who? To Abraham. But who's right there with Abraham? Isaac is privy to the disclosure of God to his father. So, yeah, parents, listen carefully. Every time you get breakthrough, upgrade your kids in the same. Bring them on board. You discover revelations of God that you bring them into. And when you, if you know Isaac's life, not once did Isaac ever have a provision issue. This guy, even the Bible says in a desert, this guy digs wells and he finds water. It says, Isaac sowed seed in a barren land. And in the same year, he reaps a hundredfold. He modeled fully what his father discovered. Hey? All the youth here. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands, all the young people and the little ones. Okay? I want to encourage you. You, you don't have to discover aspects about God for yourself by your own trial. You can join us now. Walk alongside us as adults and come into every disclosure of God that we've experienced. And that will be your portion for the rest of your life. Amen. I believe Abram powerfully um, models this principle. And so he never ever had a, a provision issue in his life. But there are not too many of us groaning. God is not hearing the... The guttural, serious. God, you know, if I was an Egyptian born in this, I can just hear maybe at night, the groans from house to house all over Egypt in every Israeli house. Take us out. Get us out of this place. Father, release us. There was a cry, God said. I can't ignore the cry. God is saying in this verse, I can't ignore this cry from a son i want to encourage you how deep is your cry how badly do you want out the cry or the groan is equated to a prayer because romans says it like this romans equates the groan of the spirit in you as in terms of praying to god romans 8 26. let me just read it it says in the same way the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit does what? Intercedes for us with what? Groanings too deep for? Groanings too deep for words. Next, next verse. And he who searches, that's the Spirit now, who is searching the, the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to what? according to the will of god so it says the spirit in us prays through us with what with groanings too deep even to be uttered with words and sometimes when you pray like this you pray with travail you pray with a deep seated as though you are giving birth in the spirit it, it's it's an intense cry for your freedom it's an intense cry, and the Bible says the Spirit prays according to what? The perfect will of God. All you want in your life, you're saying to God, Father, align everything to my life back to your will. I want to encourage you, church. The next time you pray, groan. You see, um, bondage can become so normal, you accommodate it. It can become so the operating feature of your life you adjust your life to live by it until you die you say well it hasn't changed for the past 10 years it's been like this not only with me it's been like this with my parents and my grandfather why would should i expect anything now in fact they were also serving god so why should things be different with me I prophetically want to encourage you today. The word of the Lord for you today is, God is saying, My son, I've already positioned three processes ahead of you. I've prophesied it. I've declared my intent. I've prepared my leader and leaders to guide you. The world is not waiting for you. The world is maturing their own wickedness. You are stuck. And all I'm asking you, my son, I'm waiting for the cry to come, become so frustrated with your present condition that you say, for the next five or seven days, I will fast unto my God against all odds, no matter what the pressure on my physical body is in the week, because I have a mission, I have a desire, I have a groan within me. And remember I taught you this. You cannot groan if you are harboring carnal complaint. Carnal complaint in the soul is a satanic substitute for a Holy Spirit-induced groan in the spirit. You cannot have grumbling, complaining soul with a groaning spirit. That's why I think the healing of the wounded soul is so important. Let's wrap that up. You know, I assume by now, brethren, I hope there's no one here still at this stage harboring unforgiveness. I hope there's no one by this stage being hospitable but grumbling on the side. Philippians says, remember the verse we did? It says, be hospitable without complaining. I hope by now there's no one grumbling like Miriam against your leader Moses. I hope there's no leprous conditions. I take it for granted that we are all obedient. Now I submit to you, groan before your God. Persistence. Let me just tell you the story because of time. In Luke, I'll give you the reference, it's in Luke 5, sorry, Luke 11 verse 5 to 13, put away these notes. Friend went to a friend, because another friend of his visited him, and he needed some bread, some food to to give him. So he went to another friend's house at midnight, the Bible says, to request of his friend, give me some, some bread, some food, because I have a friend that's been on a long journey, and he has come to visit me. Then the Bible says, the friend then says to him, I'm paraphrasing, do you know what the time is? It's midnight. And besides, my door is already shut. I am already in bed, and my children are in bed with me. Then Jesus, relating the parable, says, but because, not because he's a friend, but because the other friend persists, he did not let up. He persisted. He said, the friend will open the door to him and give him even more than what he needs for his purposes to entertain the other friend. You know the word persistence? Everyone say persistence. Then the next verse, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given. Knock, and the door shall open. Seek, and you will find. You know what James says? James says, you do not have because you do not ask some people are bereft because the 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 lack of provision or the lack of resource is indicative of a lack of prayer no groan i want to submit to the church brethren it's now time to strengthen and deepen prayer how badly do you want it will you like the friend just go away when he says, I can't help you. But the, but Jesus said, no, not this friend. He persisted. You know the word persisted in the text. In the Greek literally means shameless. He was no scum selves. No, he was without shame. He says, I'm going to bother you. Knock until you open this door and give me what I want. Remember the parable of the importunate widow in Luke 18 verse 1? Jesus said, I will answer this widow, or the judge will answer the widow, not because he's a righteous judge, but simply because of an importunity. A persistent. Sam said this, a statement that that, uh, revolves in my mind consistently. Be, he said, be intentional even though you are not perfect. Have an intent. Be intentional and pursue the thing. Even though you are not perfect. But A person that's without goal, without a target that they're pushing towards, is disoriented and can easily be derailed and detoured. I want to encourage you. I submit to the house, it's now time for more fervent prayer than ever before. And I submit to you, if you accept this and obey it, good for you. If you reject it, then you bear the consequences of your own disobedience. But I say to you this morning, the word of the Lord that comes to you right now. If you are unhappy with the state of affairs, God is saying, my son, I'm waiting for that groan. I'm waiting for that cry by my spirit. Zechariah 12 is 10 says this. It's in my notes. It says this. I will pour upon the house of David a spirit of grace and supplication and supplication. To supplicate means to appeal to God for mercy. Everyone say, mercy, Lord. Right? Be gracious. Be kind to us, God. Don't deal with us based upon our sins. Mercy. Say it again. Mercy, Lord. Right? Come on. Who's sick and tired of being sick and tired of pleasant conditions? Right? I've had like enough of enough of certain things. I'm saying, no, no, no. This can't be forever. I need my life, my, my, my situation to change forever. Amen. And I'm going to seek and consult our God who is our Father. He is a heavenly Father who loves us. And you know what? Uh, I got two texts in my notes that go to this effect. It's found in both Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Jesus said this. How many of you, you are evil if your son asks you for a fish. Will you give him a scorpion? No. If he asks for bread, will you give him a stone? No. Then he makes this statement. If you then being evil as earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more? You know those three words. How much more will your heavenly Father give good things? To who? Come on, talk to me. To who? You know the verse. To those that ask. The point is, there's not too many people asking. It's to those who dare to ask. Please, everyone, look at me. How many of you think I'm a credible leader? Well, you shouldn't be here if you don't. (laughs) I'm just, I don't ask that to pat my, I'm saying it to make a point. I speak to you today. I'm not even going to be modest about this, because I know who I am in God. I speak to you today as the representation of God to you this morning. The Lord says to you, my son, my daughter, if you dare take me at this, at this word, take me at this word that you are hearing this morning. See how quickly I will remove the burden. See how quickly I will break the limitation. See how quickly life can be altered forever for you. Everyone say, how much more? There's no great revelation in that text. The comparison is, if earthly fathers who are evil know to do good things for their kids, how much will the heavenly Father give good things to those that ask? Psalm 2, Psalm 2 verse 8, ask me and I will give the nations as your inheritance. I don't know about you, but even now, going to Nakala this week, as it's my usual practice in, in any event. Wake up early in the morning. And position myself before the, the Father. And dare to ask for things that you have shelved. The Lord says to you, take the request off the shelf. Hold it again in prayer before me. Hold it again before me in a groan. And see how quickly I will grant you. The thing that you have desired. Amen? Amen? A groan. A cry. You know what Jesus said? Before the tomb of Lazarus. Before he said, Lazarus come. The Bible says he stood before the tomb. And the Bible says this. And he groaned in his spirit. Then he said, Lazarus come forth. The Greek text. In the Greek, the word groaned there means to apply judgment on a matter. Death was already judged in his spirit. Before he said, Lazarus come forth. You know, when you groan, truly grown in prayer, you'll be authorized to speak life to every dead circumstance. I had an experience, and this is commonplace now. I told the leaders, we had a leaders meeting in the week. It was the morning, it was the afternoon of the day of the wedding, of the marriage seminar, a few, few weeks ago. So I just slept, but I felt, I was sleeping, but like poor weather in the body, or the spirit, I don't know. But I felt like I was yanked out of my body and my spirit was being invested with being, with divine being. I felt there was like an investiture of God being poured out and being divested into me. I felt so at one in my spirit with him. It was hot. I felt like hot. My spirit felt warm with divine presence. I knew I was sleeping, but I was fully aware of what was going on. And God, in that vision, kept saying to me, keep feeding my sheep. Keep feeding my sheep. Keep feeding my sheep. For if you do, I will give you the resource that you need. If you simply maintain the position of, keep feeding my sheep. And I literally heard the Lord say to me what he said to Peter. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Hmm? It happened to me on a night in Washington after one of Sam's sessions. We literally saw the Lord in the room. That night, I prepared summaries for every session. So I went to bed with all the thoughts of my mind still fresh. Okay? And uh, I couldn't fall asleep. And I literally felt the same thing. Spirit engaging, spirit. But you know, in it was a prayer. In it was a, a groan. In it was a cry. To be at one with God. To know God in a deeper fashion. Things of the spirit must become so ordinary. Those, those experiences must not become events. It <laughs> should become such a culture with us. But it's going to be because your spirit man has become so developed in God that to engage the unseen realm will be a thing that is normal to us. Sam said, don't think it's strange when these things happen as per normal with you. But we are so natural. We are so soulish. Things of the spirit are far from us. If we are to groan, let me just say this, it's not a groan in the soul. It's not a groan in your body. This groan is a function of your spirit. His spirit interceding through, through your spirit. I impress upon you, groan. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Cry. How badly do you want your freedom? If, you, if you're satisfied with the state of affairs, then this is not for you. I'm talking to those that are really serious, desperate God. God, Father, you said I must ask, so I come in and knock, seek. We lift up our hands to you, Father. I pray upon everyone right now a spirit of grace, a spirit of supplication, I pray a spirit of travail would be our portion. There are certain things of your will that we want so desperately. Our desire, dear Father, is to do your will and to finish it. I pray that this would be our portion as a company. Father, I ask that we position ourselves before you in prayer. And we, like, like Jacob wrestled with the angel that night, we will not let you go until we see the actualization of your prophetic promise in our world. I declare for every family in this local congregation an end to slavery, an end to struggle, an end to hardship, an end to restriction. I decree an end to, to living from hand to mouth. An end of your slavery has come upon you this day, declares the Lord. The Lord says to you, today shall be the beginning of months for you. But the Lord says, I need you, my son, I need you, my daughter, to position yourself before me in a groan. And this exodus in this Passover will be one in which you will be immunized from any collateral damage. Nothing lost, nothing broken, nothing missing. Like Israel, when they left, not even a dog barked at them. The scripture says, Everything stood in almost pause mode as they made their exodus. So today the Lord says to you, I will even cause things to stand still that would ordinarily would have attacked you. God says, I will make them stand erect at your representation of sonship as you position yourself to journey. The thing that would have assaulted you before, declares the Lord, God says, I I put an end to as you position yourself to exodus this realm. For this is my grace afforded to you today, declares the Lord. You shall have immunity in this exodus. For I have declared it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.